When I was a kid, my parents used to love to take me and my brother hiking. And my favorite hikes were always the ones that followed along a river or a stream. Because I knew at some point in the hike, we were going to stop and my brother and I were going to get to declare war on some section of the river. Not anything as big as the Potomac, but we were going to attempt to dam a little section of the river and see in kind of a man versus nature if we could win. But no matter how good that dam was, the water always won. Because the truth is that water is always flowing down to its lowest point. It's drawn to negative places. See, every river has a negativity bias. And the truth is, so do we. We have a negativity bias. Now, what is a negativity bias? It is the natural tendency to be disproportionately biased by negative things. It's why when you're driving down the road and you see a wreck on the highway, you can't help but turn your head to, to look at it. It's why when you see that negative headline, you just want to click on it so bad. It's why when you hear somebody saying something bad about another person, you don't have to strain to pay attention. You just naturally do. And it's why when you see neuroscience studies, when different images are shown to participants, it's always the most negative image that lights up the brain the most. The reality is the same way a river is drawn to the negative, so are we. Now, this isn't all bad. In fact, some of this is the brilliance of God's wiring for us. It's important for survival that we would be motivated by negative things. It's why if a bear came right down here where I'm standing, um, I need to be extremely motivated to get out of here. And as long as I can outrun Ben, who's right behind the camera, I know that I am going to be good. But there's also obviously a very bad thing about this negativity bias. And that is that at this point in the 21st century, it's pretty much common knowledge that negativity is going to win. You've heard the old adage, if it bleeds, it leads. And so Everything around us, we're inundated, we're flooded by a stream of negative messaging, of, of negativity. And it's not just kind of in our world, in our culture, in our media, but the reality is that it's also in our brains. Our brains are flooded with negativity. Well, we're in part three of this series called Winning the War in Your Mind. And today, we're talking about how to defeat negativity. How do you stop that constant flow of negativity from pushing you downstream? And to help us today, we're going to turn to the most joyful letter in all the Bible. It is the New Testament letter that Paul writes to the Philippians. And the crazy thing about this is that Paul is actually writing this letter from a Roman prison in 61 AD. Now, remember, the Romans were the same ones who put Jesus on trial and had him executed on a cross. And now Paul is in prison awaiting his trial. I mean, he is in a river at flood stage. And what we see in this letter is that 16 times Paul is mentioning the word joy or rejoice. It's incredible. Let me just give you a few. Philippians 1.4, he says, I always pray with joy. Chapter 2, verse 17, he says, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Philippians 3, 1, he says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4, 10, I rejoice greatly 
in the Lord. Now, how in the world is Paul so full of joy? Well, today we are going to focus in on two verses here in Philippians that if we can apply these to our lives, we will defeat the negativity in our lives. Think of them as big rocks in the middle of a river that we can cling to for the truth we need not to get swept away. The first verse is Philippians 4, 8, a famous verse you may have heard before. Paul writes, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What Paul is saying there, the recipe to defeat negativity is to find whatever is good. I want you to think about whatever that, that negative situation, whatever it is you're facing right now, okay? What I want you to do is to try and apply Philippians 4 a Whatever is good, can you find something good that's going on and can you focus on that? I want to talk about relationships for a minute. Maybe you're in a really difficult marriage. Maybe you're dealing with a, a challenging family member. Maybe you've got a, a colleague at work or a friend and they're just driving you crazy. And when you think about them, your mind is flooded with negative thoughts. What I want to encourage you to try and do is to find something, anything that is good and put your focus there because that's how you turn the tide of a relationship. It's really not as bad as it might seem. It's our negativity bias. We have to find whatever is good. Now, for Paul, what he finds to be good, we see in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. This is absolutely amazing. Paul, again, waiting for trial and possible execution in a Roman prison. And what he's saying is that he has found joy, not in spite of his circumstances, but actually because of his circumstances. Paul's courage, his confidence is contagious. And now the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus's unconditional love for us, is spreading. So Paul has the benefit of seeing immediately the good that is going on in his situation. But for a lot of us, it's not necessarily so immediate. When I was 16, I got my first job at an amusement park in Cincinnati called Kings Island. And uh, one day after work, I decided I was going to ride some roller coasters. And so I'm in line and I started talking to a group of teenagers from Kentucky. And uh, there was this one girl in the group. Her name was Katie. And she was really cute. And she was really into me, which was kind of crazy to me because I was a very late bloomer. I was going through that awkward phase, but nonetheless, she seemed really into me. I was definitely into her. And so for the rest of the night, I hung out with this group and we kind of had this little date thing going. Well, fast forward to the end of the night, the fireworks display is going off. It was kind of this magic moment. And, uh, and Katie turns to me and she says, are you going to kiss me or what? 
Now, I guess that's just how girls from Kentucky do it. But I, I immediately was like, yeah, I'm going to kiss you. So I leaned in. I gave her a kiss. It was amazing. It was actually my very first kiss, 16 years old. The next day, I get a phone call. It's Katie. She says, Derek, you know, last night when I told you that I was 15, well, I'm really only 13. Now, that was so bad. You got to understand, I am just about to turn 17 years old. I'm going into my senior year of high school. I don't even want to know. I mean, was she in middle school? This, this was so bad. I couldn't tell a living soul for years and years and years about my first kiss. I mean, I saw nothing good in this story whatsoever. But the reality is there was an amazing lesson in this story. And that is don't date girls from Kentucky. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. The lesson was the sooner you can tell the truth, the better. And that is a great lesson when you're young and you want everyone to like you. And, you know, sometimes you just rather sugarcoat things. That was a valuable lesson that, that has stuck with me my entire life. That's the good that I found in the bad. So Katie Pierce, if you're watching from Kentucky, I just want to say thank you so much for that lesson. Now, maybe for you, you're like, Derek, that, that's a really cute, fun first kiss story. Okay. But but what I'm going through, it's really, really bad. Like if I'm in a river, it is at flood stage and I'm getting swept downstream. Well, I want to encourage you, if that's you today, if you're really going through it, to cling to Romans 8.28, which says this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to have been called according to his purpose. Now, what I want you to hear in that verse is that Paul doesn't say that we know that most things work together or that some things work together. He says that all things work together for the good of those who love God. And I want you to think about this, particularly if you're going through it right now. Okay, If God could take one of the worst things ever, Jesus Christ, tortured, crucified on a cross, and he could turn that into the greatest thing for humanity, that through faith in Jesus Christ, not through what I do or what you do, but through faith in what Jesus has done, that we are made righteous in the eyes of God, that we receive his unconditional love. I mean, if he can turn that into something good, he can turn anything, all things, your thing into something good. So I want to encourage you today. You may not see any good in your situation, but just cling to the hope that you will one day, might not even be this side of heaven, but one day you will find whatever is good. The second rock that we can cling to in this river of negativity that is around us and that is in us is Philippians 4.4, 4, where Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. What Paul is imploring us to do is to find joy in the Lord. Now notice, it's joy in the Lord. It's not joy in our circumstances. It's not joy in our successes but we're challenged to find joy in the Lord. Now, what does this look like? What does that mean? That sounds very churchy. Well, essentially what it means is that we should just take time to rejoice 
in God, to spend time just in God's presence, just taking a breath, take a breath right now, and just just sit and realize that you're in the presence of the God who made you, who is with you, and who loves you. So it's kind of like if you feel right now you're getting swept down a river of negativity. It's kind of like being able to grab onto a rock, pull yourself out, and just take a minute to just spend a moment with God. I want to give you a moment right now. Maybe you just, you want to repeat something like, God, you're with me. God, you love me. But just take a moment right now, take a breath, and find joy in just being with God. Well, this river of negativity, it's a big deal for me. You know, on the outside, I try and be a really positive person. But on the inside, often I find myself flooded with negative thoughts. I, I feel stressed and I kind of can get trapped in this scarcity mentality where I'm, I'm worried and I'm just not able to be fully present in the moment. I'm, I'm thinking about what's going to happen and I'm running scenarios in my brain. In the series, we've been talking about what is the stronghold for you that's holding you back? And what is the truth that demolishes that stronghold? Well, for me, the truth that demolishes that negativity stronghold is 2 Peter 1.3, which says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And for me, I even personalize that more. And I say, by his divine power, God has given me everything I need for living a godly life. When I can really meditate on the truth of this verse, I realize it's not by my power, it's by God's power in me. And that God's given me everything I need for today. That helps me so much with the stress and the anxious thoughts. It's like, it's like I've been pulled out of the river. Now I'm on the rock of God's truth and God's word. And for me, that demolishes that stronghold. Doesn't always look pretty for me. I, I can lose sight of that a lot, but man, it is so incredibly powerful when I can dwell on that truth. Well, maybe for you, your stronghold of negativity is fear and insecurity. And maybe the truth that you need to hear is Isaiah 41.10, which says, do not fear for I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Maybe your stronghold is that you're just constantly struggling with bad choices. You're always feeling like you're messing up. Maybe the truth for you is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Maybe you feel guilty for some of the things that you've done in your past. You feel ashamed. Maybe that truth for you is Romans 8.1, which says, therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to share with you one more thing about Philippians 4.8. When Paul says, whatever is good, think about such things, that word think in the Greek is the present participle. It means keep on thinking about such things. So the idea is whatever is good, Keep on thinking about it. That's how you defeat that negativity bias. I want to encourage you to put that truth somewhere 
where you can see it every day. Maybe it's by your bed. Maybe it's your bathroom mirror. Maybe it's in your car. But put it somewhere where you can read it, think it, speak it until you believe it. Find some place where you can keep the truth of God's word before you so you can read it, think it, speak it until you believe it. Because the reality is God's word is powerful. It is how we take captive every thought, everything of negativity, and we find a truth that sets us free. Let me pray for you. God, many times we do find ourselves under siege in a river of negativity, both in our culture and in our minds. Lord, we need your help. Please help us in the midst of whatever is going on in our lives, Lord. Help us to focus on whatever is good. God, help us to find joy in you, Lord. And please lead us to that truth that demolishes the stronghold in our life. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I hope that this message was helpful to you. And just as a reminder, you don't have to do this alone. If you would like to get connected with a counselor who can walk with you through this journey, go to trygrace.org slash safe harbor.